0: Hey everybody, you're listening to Deep in Dirty Jerseys. Alright, cue the incredibly cliche 30 second intro music. There's no way I'm going to Jersey without my hair gel. I'm the chucklehead. If they shut him up, and then it's dysfunction this, it's dysfunction that, and dysfunction my front That's a lovely episode car tram car, Watch the tram car, Watch the tram car I'm your host Neeks from Neeks TV. Uh, today we're gonna go deep into some interesting topics. One of those is gonna be a something pretty controversial that's like a big deal right now on the interwebs. Harriet Tubman is going to be on the $20 bill. Uh, we're going to talk NJ history, and we're going to talk how Harriet Tubman relates to New Jersey, which is a pretty interesting way. It's pretty significant, actually. Um, I got a little quiz for you. I want to ask your opinion on quite a few things. We're also going to talk about the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916. This is the 100-year anniversary this July. Um, this will probably be a really big deal on Shark Week this coming summer, um, and I'm pumped about it because one of those shark attacks happened to be in my hometown where I went to high school, Matawan. Um, so that stuff's going to be crazy, but we're going to dive right in. Uh, I'm drinking some cold coffee here uh, with stevia and almond milk, and that is not my coffee of choice. Um, it's cold because I made it a long time ago, and uh, I'm doing this diet uh, with my girlfriend, Mego, and it doesn't really allow sugar. I think it's the max diet. It's interesting. Um, And I'm no nutritional expert, so I'm sure that there's other ways to diet without uh, completely avoiding sugar. Uh, You do get a cheat meal, um, but for my coffee here, I'm using Stevia, which is a sugar alternative, but it's not necessarily processed. I don't really know the deal. Almond milk's not bad, but it's not good in coffee. I'll tell you that much. Let's get to New Jersey now. Enough of uh, my life outside of this. Um, yeah, so the United States Treasury has announced that Harriet Tubman, conductor of the Underground Railroad, one of the U.S. most prominent female historical figures, will replace Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. I want to know what you guys think about this. This It's a little bit controversial because some people feel Andrew Jackson should not be replaced. They feel he was a very important character in American history, and he was for many reasons. Um... I see it like this. Sure, he did a lot of good for America. Andrew Jackson did. Uh, He served in the American Revolution and won a few pretty significant battles in the War of 1812. He's actually the only president to serve in both the American Revolution and the War of 1812. So that's pretty interesting. Um, However... Andrew Jackson is the same guy who signed the Indian removal policy, uh, and he's the man responsible for the infamous Trail of Tears where the Cherokee were forced to migrate away from the land that they'd owned for many years before America decided to put its greasy paws on it. Um, you know, we all learned about this in history class. Unless you slept through it, I really don't know. 4,000 out of those 15,000 Native Americans died on that journey from uh, disease, hunger, exhaustion. And I, I, you know, this is an age-old argument— um, it, it wasn't fair to do that to the Native Americans um, And a lot of people argue Well, you know, back then they didn't know And that's an interesting point And an interesting topic um, Because also Andrew Jackson happened to be a slave owner um, And people are, you know, using that for their argument That um, Harriet Tubman belongs on the 20 and not him Because he's a slave owner and she was a slave uh, freer I don't know if freer is a word, that's okay We'll look into that so, you know, it always becomes a question as to, does society think so? And is it okay if society doesn't? What if somebody truly didn't realize that something they were doing was wrong? I feel that I would have noticed it was wrong because I don't believe that any human should be, um, you know, trapped into doing something. Should, should be enslaved by anybody, by anything, um... But is that because of the culture that I came up in, and now we're so much more open minded and we realize everybody's supposed to be equal um but back then, was that a thing, or did people not even think about it? They really thought they really the slave owners really thought that black people were not equal, they were lower they they were inferior. so like makes you wonder, did anybody ever think about it and go, no, this isn't right because today we think about everything like isn't this is this right or isn't this wrong um but I wonder if back then they didn't, because you got to think a lot of America's founding fathers were slave owners, and we consider them some of the greatest people in the history of the world. Um, so that's like a really, really interesting thing to talk about. Uh, did Andrew Jackson think he was a bad guy? Uh, for kicking the Indians off the land and taking it. The whole manifest destiny idea that America's supposed to just take over everything that they see and own everything. And he was really a huge part of that. Um, So his replacement on the $20 bill is the legendary Harriet Tubman. Uh, She was the leader of the Underground Railroad, a network of safe havens and secret paths to freedom for the slaves. Uh, We all read about it in history class. Some estimates say that upwards of 100,000 slaves were rescued by the railroad, um, you know, over its entire course, and of course, Tubman was not there for all of that. But she was born into slavery in 1822, escaped to Philadelphia, um, and did a 180 straight back to Maryland to rescue her family. Um, and she's got a lot of connections to New Jersey that are awesome, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. So, she's one of America's American history's biggest badasses. Um, and between 13 and 19 trips, depending on your source. Uh, Tubman guided 70 slaves on the road to freedom and also provided instruction to another 60 slaves uh, who escaped to the free states. Overall, numbers estimate she conducted a total of over 300 slaves to freedom, uh, you know, between her plans and who she personally guided um, on the path. The woman was brilliant. She was witty, brave, and sneaky as hell. They should make a movie out of this if they didn't already. I don't know of one. And she needed to be... um, Sneaky as hell. Uh, I'll go as far as to call her genius with some of the tactics that she came up with to make this happen. So if we take a look at some of these procedures used uh, to make this all work properly, Tubman's Underground Railroad usually worked in the winter. Um, So... She, uh, it made her her and the fugitives harder to spot, uh, so the slave owners, the police wouldn't really be paying attention in the winter, and obviously if it was a harsh winter and it's snowy outside and much darker than it is in the summer, and a lot less people are outside, then that makes sense. Um, this, They'd also leave on a, a Saturday, so that gave them plenty of extra time to get as far away as possible, because Tubman knew the newspapers would not be able to re- report a missing slave in the town until Monday, Um, so that's, you know, a couple extra days, um, you know, besides that, she, uh, she would bring a drug along with them to use on babies if they started crying too loudly, and, you know, that might give away their location if they're trying to be vigilant, um, she'd often go into public in a bonnet and holding two chickens in her hands, uh, basically disguising herself as a slave running errands around town so nobody would pay her any mind, but she was actually going in to rescue other slaves and bring them out, um, Several times she ran into former masters, who certainly would have recognized her, uh, one time on a train, (laughs) and she grabbed, this is awesome, she grabbed a newspaper uh, and pretended to be reading it. And the man paid her no mind because he was positive that a slave certainly couldn't read. And she couldn't. That's the cool part. There's the kicker. She couldn't read. Uh, She pretended to. And she did a damn good job pretending because... You know, if not, if she hadn't covered her face with that newspaper and pretended to read, that slave ambassador may have noticed her very quickly, and that could have changed the course of history for hundreds of people. So, that's pretty interesting. The biggest controversy surrounding Harriet Tubman, the lady whose beautiful face is about to be put on the $20 bill, is my favorite thing about it. This is awesome. If a fugitive who she brought along with her on the Underground Railroad happened to become paranoid paranoid and fearful uh, that they might be caught, She'd actually threaten them with a handgun, with a revolver. She believed that anybody scared enough to chicken out an abandoned ship on the road to freedom would also rat on them and give away their routes and their safe houses to the police, to their former masters, anybody. So she'd point the gun at them and she'd go, you'll be free or you'll die. Luckily, she never had to kill anybody. She was uh, better at convincing them to stay, and I'm sure the gun did a great job of convincing people. But she believed anybody weak enough to abandon them and give them away deserved to die. She wouldn't risk the lives of many for the life of just one. So, thank God nobody bailed because it may have affected her legacy. You realize if she started killing the people she was trying to free, that could have changed everything that we think about her today. Although, for me... It doesn't really affect the way I think about her because I think she had to do it. Because if one person decided to jump off the trail to freedom and go to the master, to the police, to somebody, the government, and say, hey, these slaves are going here, here, and here. Here's the safe houses where they stay. Here's the route they go. All of a sudden, that's compromising the whole plan that saved potentially thousands. So... She, I think she absolutely had to do it. And if she had to kill somebody to do it, I, I, I don't know. More power to her, I guess. Because she saved countless lives uh, doing things the way she did it. So I want to know how you guys feel about that. Let me know in the comments wherever you're listening. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. This one in particular is a solo cast. I wanted to make it quick so it won't be on TV on YouTube. Um, yeah, but you can also let us know on Twitter at DeepDirtyJersey. We're on Instagram at DeepInDirtyJersey, or our website is www.DeepInDirtyJersey.com, and you can leave us a comment on any of those and let us know what you think about this. Would it have harmed her legacy if she killed one of the fugitives that she was bringing to freedom? Um, And what do you think about it? Do you think it was wrong to threaten them? I want to know that. That would be really interesting. So, we talked about Harriet Tubman. She's going on the $20 bill. It's awesome. Here's where we tie it all in. Ha! Moses as the slaves called her, had a pretty significant connection to New Jersey. During the 1850s and the 1860s, New Jersey had more all-black communities than any other northern state, and the northern states were the free states, as you probably know. So our great state provided tons of safe houses for the Underground Railroad, and Harriet came through here on many occasions. Uh, Tubman had a a very important base in Cape May, um, and she actually worked in Cape May for a while. Uh, After she was freed... She worked in Cape May from 1849 to 1852. um, And she worked in the Cape May Hotel to raise money for the Underground Railroad. Once she had the funds, she put her master plan into effect, saving hundreds of people, including one journey where she guided her 70-year-old parents down the Underground Railroad. Um, A difficult journey with a beautiful light at the end of the tunnel. Um, And the cool part about Harriet is she never lost one person on the way to freedom. Nobody bailed. Uh, nobody died. So that's absolutely incredible. But this was like a foolproof plan. And we can call it foolproof because she never failed. Um, everything she did, from the drugs to bring the to bring for the babies to stop crying, from the disguises that she would go into public. Um, she even got the message out to Slaves Down South that if they sang Sweet Chariot, uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, as she was passing by... That would notify her that they were that was the slave that wanted to be saved. And they would meet at, meet at a certain spot in the middle of the night, and she would grab them and take them. Uh, and there was also a song, I forget the name of the song, but it was with a reference to Moses that Harriet would sing. And that would let the, the slaves know that it was her and that she was going to take them to freedom. So they would sing back to her, uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And it was, it was cool. They're talking in code now. She's crazy. Incredible. Incredible. A woman on United States currency it's about time. I gotta say though, (laughs) I don't know if that's the official picture of the $20 bill that I saw circulating online this morning. This is breaking the internet right now. Uh, but I'll tell you this. I don't know if I dig that smug frown of hers. Uh, it's, it's going to intimidate me every time I go to spend a $20 bill on some dumb shit. Uh, she'll be looking at me all disgusted like, uh, I spend my life freeing the slaves, and your white ass spending twenty dollars on Mountain Dew, baja blast, the Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh hell no, boy! I smack the shit out you. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, it's just gonna be tough for me to spend the twenty that way. It's kind of like Ben Franklin on the hundred, and I would say that that one's even worse because it's a hundred dollar bill. And when I pull it out at the supermarket and then stare back at the, you know, the belt with the eight pack of peanut butter. Oreos and nachos, lunchables, microwavable White Castle sliders and anything else I could think of. And then I look back down at Ben. He doesn't look pissed. He just looks disappointed. Like, he had more confidence in me. Like, he knows I could have found a better way to spend $100. But I'm going to say Harriet's worse. Because <laughs> she looks like she's about to knock your ass out. That's She looks angry in that picture. I hope they, they pick a, a happier picture of her. Uh, but she's the definition of independent black woman. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let me know what you think about Harriet going on a $20 bill Because I think it's awesome for one And while I think Andrew Jackson did a lot of Great things for this country I think that Harriet Is more deserving of it This country is about freedom so Ultimately it's the people who brought freedom to This country that deserve to have their Faces in those places That's what I think Um, And also You know there were some things about Andrew Jackson That didn't stand for freedom and uh, Coming in and eradicating the uh, Native Americans from the land that they lived on for many, many years before us just isn't free, in my opinion. Um, yeah, but Harriet Tubman was pretty significant in New Jersey, and New Jersey was pretty significant for her. Uh, pretty cool, yeah. Uh You can watch a lot of our podcasts on youtube.com slash TV. That's the father channel of this whole thing. Uh, not this one in particular, though. Um, you can hit us up at at deep dirty jersey on twitter or at deep in dirty jersey on instagram we're on soundcloud we're on stitcher it's a beautiful thing we're talking new jersey we're talking uh mrs harriet tubman and now it's time for a little quiz a little history quiz well not so much history but i got some new jersey fun facts here but plot twist one of them's not a fact one of them i made up so listeners i'm gonna list you five nj facts one of them's not a fact it's false the other four are true I'll read them to you, and at the end of the show, I'll give you the answers. So it'll give you a little time to think. This is not going to be a full-hour podcast. Uh, uh, We're probably looking at a little over a half hour. So, A, the Passaic River was the site to the first submarine ride by inventor John P. Holland. That's A, Passaic, Passaic River was the site to the first submarine ride by inventor John P. Holland. B, the first baseball game ever was played in Hoboken. The first baseball game ever was played in Hoboken. C, Joseph Bonaparte, brother of Napoleon Bonaparte, once claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil in real life on his estate in New Jersey. So Joseph Bonaparte, who's apparently the brother of Napoleon Bonaparte, once claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil in real life, in the flesh, on his estate in New Jersey. D, President George Washington had a summer home on the shores of current day Long Branch. President George Washington had a summer home on the shores of current day Long Branch. E, coca plant is still used to make Coca-Cola and a company in New Jersey extracts the cocaine, the drug, for medical use and ships the remainder to Coke. So they still use coca plant for Coca-Cola, but they take the a company in New Jersey takes the cocaine out and then ships what's left of it to Coke. So pretty cool. All right, so those are your five choices. I'm gonna give you a little bit to think about that one, all right? And uh, it'll be fun if you leave your answer in the comments before you finish the podcast. And then I'll give you the answer at the end here. So I got one more pretty cool NJ History thing to talk about while we're on NJ History. And that is the Jersey Shore Shark Attacks of 1916. Like I said before, we're coming up on the 100-year anniversary of that. I got my friend Eddie at Jackson, who's an expert in this column here, uh, coming on the show sometime in May to talk about this. And uh, we also plan on making, like, a little documentary about this and maybe sending it off to some TV stations for Shark Week, something like that. But this is such a cool story, and if you don't know it, you deserve to hear it. Um, This story potentially inspired the movie Jaws. That's a rumor. It's not uh, proven. The director never said – or the producer, the writer never said, no, I wrote this about um, the shark attacks in New Jersey in 1916. But there's a lot of inspiration in the movie, it seems. So – July 1st, 1916, 100 years ago, in Beach Haven, a part of Long Beach Island. I happened to be in Long Beach Island yesterday. Uh, Me, Joe, Jimmy that you met on the last podcast, uh, my girlfriend Megan, Jimmy's girlfriend, uh, Jen and Joe's girlfriend Gina, we all went to Chicken or the Egg. Check out Chicken or the Egg if you get a chance. Fantastic wings. And they did a deal last night. It was three bucks for five wings. Pretty cool. So that's why we're on the topic of Long Beach Island. In Beach Haven on Long Beach Island, July 1st, 1916, Charles Van Sant, a 25-year-old out of Philadelphia, was at the Engleside Hotel on vacation with his family. All right? Normal vacation. Beautiful summer day in New Jersey. Van Sant goes swimming with a dog that was playing in the ocean, and he starts screaming. Uh, People think he's just playing with the dog. He's rescued by Alexander Ott, uh, a lifeguard there, and Sheridan Taylor, who claim the sharks stalked them as they dragged Van Sant back to shore. It was just following them back in. So there's clearly like a screw loose in the shark's head, because typically, and especially up to this point, sharks were not known as terrifying creatures that would destroy you. It, it was there wasn't so much publicity about it. That all started when the movie Jaws came out, and it also really became a big deal after this week that I'm telling you about here. So these these people had to be like something's up. Um. Van Sant's flesh was ripped from his thigh and he bled to death on the manager's desk at the Engelside. So, some vacation. That is absolutely insane. Uh, beaches at the Jersey Shore remained open, though. I mean, people probably thought that this was a, a once in a, in a lifetime thing that you would never see this happening at. Um, and they kept the beaches open despite the attack. And several sea captains um, had reported seeing a large shark near Newark and NYC on the coast. So, out in the Atlantic, but not too far from land. Um, and that should have been concerning, but I I guess nobody took it seriously. 42 miles north, uh, five days later on July 6th in Spring Lake, Charles Bruder, 27, a bell captain at the Essex and Sussex hotel was swimming about 130, 130 yards from shore. So a little more than a football field, uh, and a shark bites his torso, starts, you know, taking him under the water and thrashing him around. So... A woman screams, and she notifies lifeguards. Chris Anderson and George White row out in a lifeboat uh, to attempt to save him, and Bruder dies on the way back to shore, so now two attacks within five days, and suddenly this is no fluke. It's certainly not a fluke. It's a shark. (laughs) Uh, New York Times said the woman, uh, that women along the shore had fainted at the sight of Bruder's mutilated body, literally fainting, screaming, there's... Panic ensuing in Spring Lakes, which was a peaceful beach town forever before this. This is crazy. This should have scared people out of the water for months. I would not go in. I'm still scared to go swimming because of watching the movie Jaws or watching Shark Week. It's crazy. So that happens now. That's two attacks. 30 miles north of Spring Lake, the town of Matawan was the next unlikely spot for a shark attack. Uh, Not particularly a shore town. It actually had more of a Midwestern feel. Uh, It didn't look like the other beach towns. And it really isn't a beach town. It was a little bit inland. Uh, It does have a creek, though. And the creek leads out to the Raritan Bay, and the Raritan Bay leads out to the Atlantic Ocean. So uh, there's fish in there, and that's brackish water. Um, So early that afternoon, it is now uh, July 16th. Quite a few days have passed. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's July 10th. Excuse me for that. July 10th. Quite a few days have passed. Early that afternoon, Captain Thomas Cottrell spotted an 8-foot-long shark headed into Matawan Creek. So he goes back to shore, and he notifies people in the town, and they excuse him. Now, a lot of people uh, said that Captain Cottrell was a drunk, so they kind of laughed it off and thought he was telling a tall tale. But at this point, when there's already been two serious shark attacks that killed people... On the Jersey Shore, I would take just about anybody seriously. I would take a blind person seriously, telling me that. Um, so the town dismisses him, dismisses him. They laugh it off. Uh, by the way, the Catrells are still a pretty prominent family here in Madawan, so that's pretty cool. Um, at about 2 p.m., a few boys who ignored the warnings—they're kind of like, "Oh yeah, we get to say that we you know swam in the we swam in the creek, even though there was a shark." And unfortunately, that came back to bite them. Um. they saw what they believed to be a log floating down the creek until the fin rose from the water. Now, that's no log, and that's no branch. Uh, Lester Stillwell, an 11-year-old epileptic boy, was dragged under by his leg. Uh, his friends swam away as fast as they could and ran to the town for help. So, they came back with 24-year-old businessman, Stanley Fisher. Uh, Fisher dove in to try and find Stillwell. Uh, hoping you know that he was still alive. and uh, he was in there for a very short amount of time. He located Stillwell's body. But once he grabbed Stillwell, the shark attacked him. So now we have two more people whose lives are in danger. Um, Stanley Fisher dove in, grabbed him, got attacked by a shark, and then let go of Stillwell's body. So now, two days pass, and nobody can find Stillwell's body. Um, Fisher is put on a train and taken to Monmouth Memorial Hospital in Long Branch. He either died on the way there or at the hospital. So now four lives have been claimed. Two days later, uh, they find Lester Stillwell's body uh, not too far from the spot. Actually, upstream just a little bit. Just 30 minutes later. 30 minutes later, and this is after four lives have been claimed by Either one shark or multiple sharks that just happened to go crazy. I don't, I don't know what ticked off in their head or its head, but that's so interesting to me that this all happened at once because generally you don't see too many shark attacks. Even present day where we have the internet and the news and TV to find out about things quickly, you don't hear about this much. It doesn't happen this often. Um, so 30 minutes after Fisher's attack, only a half mile from Wickoff Dock, which is where Lester Stilwell was attacked, a 14-year-old boy named Joseph Dunn was bitten by that same shark. Uh, his brother and friend grabbed him, and they, they kind of played tug-of-war with the shark until it finally let go. Luckily, he survived the bite, but he was hospitalized until mid-September. We're talking from July till September, and I, I don't know. I'm sure his leg was never the same after that. Um, I'm sure he had problems walking. So... Beaches in Asbury Park closed. Beaches across the state were closing. Um, but in Asbury Park, they, they took it very seriously after a lifeguard claims to have fended off a 12-foot shark with an oar. Beating a shark with an oar because it, it won't stop bothering his lifeboat. So something's going on. There's blood in the water, my friends. Blood in the water. Meanwhile, Matawan's going crazy. And Matawan's, to this day, a very boring and plain town. There's nothing going on here. So, for these people, it, it went from, you know, peaceful, and Matawan's not even a beach town. So, if you had told these people that there was going to be a shark attack, they would laugh at you and go, sharks can't be here. This is a creek. Sharks don't fit up the creek. Sharks don't swim in brackish water. Although, tiger sharks do. So, now, it comes down to, how do we catch the shark? How do we kill it? How do we stop it? Uh, what kind of shark was it? And... We want to make sure that we found the right one. So people are catching every shark that they can. And everybody's claiming that they got the the Matawan man-eater. that They got the Jersey Shore man-eater. And it's crazy. In Matawan, like I said, people are going nuts. They're lining the creek with nets. They're planting dynamite in an effort to kill or catch the shark. Residents are standing along the creek with rifles ready to fire. And there's an awesome picture of, like, uh, I got to find it and I'll post it on the site for you on www.deepindirtyjersey.com. We're going to be putting up some cool articles about the Mattawan shark attack. So check that out. Soon I'll have something up for you. But an awesome picture of this lady and she's in her dress. And you can see like kind of the Midwestern Madawan behind her in the background. She's got a rifle in her hand and she's looking into the water like ready to fire at a fucking great white or whatever is in there killing everybody. It's crazy. This really happened. And it's so cool because it's my hometown and I take a lot of pride in this story because it's like the only relevant thing that Madawan's known for. I'm not happy that it happened. But it's just an incredible story. It really is. Um, So many people caught sharks that week. All claiming theirs is the infamous man eater. But the most relevant and suspicious catch. Was by Michael Schleiser. Uh, And he also happened to be a taxidermist. And a lion tamer. For Barnum and Bailey. Weird. Uh, What an interesting career path. Two very interesting careers in my opinion. Uh, But Seems like he was living an interesting life at the time because he caught a a seven-and-a-half-foot shark weighing about 325 pounds just a few miles from the mouth of Matawan Creek. Now, it's not strange to find sharks in the Raritan Bay. Um, We have a ton of sharks called dogfish in the Raritan Bay. Um, Fishermen know what they are because what they do is just eat out all the small—the schools of good fish and fish, you know, like good eating fish. So— I used to go out on uh, Captain John's here in Keyport with my grandfather, and uh, we'd reel in, you know, you'd be fishing, you'd think you have a fish, and you'd reel in a dogfish. It was a shark, that a smaller shark, that would go eating all the little schools of fish. My grandfather hated them, hated them. So we had plenty of sharks in the Raritan Bay, so it's not strange to catch one, but check out this part. The shark that this guy caught was a young great white. And upon examination, they found that there were potentially 15 pounds of human flesh in the shark's belly. 15 pounds of human flesh! So unless this shark happened to stumble upon a dead human and eat it, this may have been the one. Michael Schleiser. Who would have thunk? A lion tamer. Would have been the one to uh, catch the man-eater. Taming lions and catching man-eating great white sharks. Crazy. So there's still debate whether over or not that was the shark. I mean, if you found human flesh in it, I would say that that pretty much settles the argument. Um, but then there was also, you know, debate over whether or not it was the only shark or if there were multiple attacks. It's just interesting the way it went because it started in Beach Haven, which is way down south. And I know that because we drove there yesterday a good hour and a half. Even longer when there's traffic, if you go in the evening. And uh, that's all the way down south. Now, the second attack is in Spring Lake, which is 40 miles about to the north. And then the third attack, the third, fourth, and fifth attack are all Madelon, which is north of that. So hypothetically speaking, it could be different sharks, but it could be the same shark that started down in South Jersey and moved its way up the coast. I don't know what it was looking for, but if it was looking for humans, it found them. Crazy. So a lot of people are saying that it could have been a tiger shark because you, they sometimes they can survive in brackish water. If it wasn't a tiger shark, then it didn't belong in the creek because it couldn't survive there. So it definitely had something wrong with it, uh, at least in the case of Matawan. Um, the other ones were on, you know, shore towns on the Atlantic. So that's where sharks live. Um, they probably should have been further out, but that happens. Now, here's a, an interesting thing. A lot of people say that this inspired the movie Jaws. Um, and I could see why. But the writer, the director, the producer never claimed that, never said that that the movie Jaws was inspired by these events. But the interesting thing is the movie Jaws is so similar to this because in Jaws there's a shark attack and then, you know, the town doesn't take it seriously. Especially these beach towns where they make a ton of money during the summer, during the months, hot days of July you know, you get a lot of beach goers. You get the bennies from up in New York. You get New Jerseyans who just want to go to the beach on their day off. And it's beautiful summer days. You don't want to close the beaches because you lose a lot of money. And tourism, tourism is huge in New Jersey. Actually, a little fun fact for you. Tourism is the second largest industry in New Jersey. And I'm sure it was just as big back then. You know, pound for pound. Money's a little different now. Experiencing inflation. Come on. But... It's crazy. Tourism's a big deal. So it makes you wonder, did they not close the beaches down? I want to know what you think about this, too. Please leave me comments. Tell me what you think. And the next time we get on this podcast, we can bring the topic back up just for a few minutes. You know, we don't want to beat a dead horse. We're also going to do another podcast on it. We'll get my friend Eddie on. It's going to be an awesome time. I promise that. Um, And we'll talk about it. I want your comments, and then we can kind of make this conversational. I think it could be really cool. Um... I don't know if a lot of people know about these shark attacks, and they're awesome. It's such rich New Jersey history. Like I said, I don't wish it happened, but crazy. So just like in the movie Jaws, they don't want to close down the beaches because they're making a lot of money on Amity Island. Uh, (laughs) They're making a lot of money in Beach Haven. They're making a lot of money in Spring Lake. Different story from out There's no beaches there anyway, but it causes pandemonium, but at the same time, the town thinks this will never happen again. We're not going to close our beaches for this one out of the blue event. And then it keeps happening. The movie Jaws, it keeps happening. And you got Chief Brody going to the mayor and he's like, you gotta close the beaches. The mayor's like, it's not gonna happen again. Happens again, he's like, I'm not gonna close the beaches. People keep going swimming, they're ignoring the warnings, just like what happened here in Matawan. A sea captain came in and told you he saw a shark. Believe him, don't go swimming. It's crazy, but nobody believed that a shark would go up the creek and Something really similar happens in um, Jaws. You know what are they? In? They're in a little like lake or pond that's connected to the ocean or what I, I forget. But the shark comes in there. Doesn't matter. It's it's a, whatever. There's something wrong with the shark. So I think it inspired Jaws. What do you think? Give me your reasons why or why not. Um, and I, if you agree with me, let me know. Why didn't they realize, like, it's probably this young great white that we found with 15 pounds of human flesh in it? Come on, people. Come on. That's my rant on that one. But Manawan Shark Attack and the Jersey Shore Shark Attacks are awesome. The um, 100-year anniversary is this July. Um... Me, my friend Eddie, my friend Kyle uh, once went to Lester Stillwell's grave. The Stillwells are still a family that exists here in Matawan. Uh, They used to own Stillwell's Garage. They recently sold it a few years back. Um, Stillwell Garage still does exist though under the same name, just with a different family owner. Um, it's cool. We saw Lester Stillwell's grave. Uh, it's sad though. It's sad. He was uh, 11 years old. You know, an 11 year old has so much potential to go do great things and uh, That is a tragedy that you couldn't even make up You could never conjure that In your mind um, So that's crazy But uh, Lester Stillwell is buried at Rose Hill Cemetery in Matawan. um, And it's a really pretty cemetery Too actually um, And it's very old Obviously this happened 100 years ago um, But it's pretty cool And if you're into the history And you want to pay your respects You can do that So I digress. What else do we have here? Oh, primaries. New Jersey primaries are coming up. Now, I'm not going to go too deep into my opinion or who I'm voting for. Um, But New York just passed. New York primaries just happened this week. Um, And there's there's some crazy stuff happening. So Ted Cruz is still in, even though uh, it's pretty much a landslide for Trump at this point. But I think he's going to go all the way. Cruz is going to fight till the end here. Um... New Jersey primaries are coming up June 7th, 2016. If you're a Democrat, uh, you had to register to vote earlier this week, I believe. I wish I could have gotten that message to you sooner, but that's okay. Um, Hillary, excuse me, whoa, puberty, where have you gone? Hillary uh, did not, or excuse me, she won, I think by about 250,000 votes. Uh, Bernie made the argument that There were 3 million voters in New York Independent voters, I I believe Who could not register to vote So that He was kind of saying that the numbers don't accurately Reflect What voters are thinking Uh, If you weren't registered To vote as a Democrat You You missed your chance You can't be an independent and vote Democrat in New York Um, New Jersey's the same way So here in New Jersey, Trump could wrap things up. I mean, he really has all but done that already. Hillary probably could too. Bernie will likely have to push on further to get a victory. The The crazy thing about New York is that Hillary won, but she won very few counties. Bernie got most of the counties like by a landslide, but by popular vote, Hillary did win. Um, the crazy thing about this election is Hillary's got a crazy amount of superdelegates, and those matter tremendously. So Bernie, something crazy happened. Uh, I think it was last night. There was a TV interview. It was not with Bernie. It was with his campaign manager. And he said something rather controversial. He said that they'll continue to campaign, the Bernie Sanders campaign, will continue to go on until November and we will try to flip those superdelegates over to their side and snatch them away from Clinton. Now, this became so controversial because Bernie is a, a man of the people. I mean, you know, at, there's a lot of points where you'll do basically anything to win. And with the loss in New York, it wasn't a landslide. But with the loss in New York, Bernie's got to start coming up with some strategies to try and change the outcome here. So the campaign manager said during a TV interview that they are going to try to talk to these superdelegates and convince the superdelegates that Bernie's more electable than Hillary is now. It became so controversial because people are saying Bernie's a man of the people. Now, what if Hillary wins the popular vote? This is all hypothetical. If Hillary wins the popular vote, but Bernie gets the delegates, the superdelegates, and Bernie wins because of the superdelegates, everybody's going to say that Bernie doesn't, not everybody, but the people who don't support Bernie, I mean, the people who don't support Bernie are going to say whatever because they don't like him, but... even some of the independents, they're going to say, well, you know, Bernie was the complete opposite at the beginning. He was about the people's vote and about how the people's vote should matter. The popular vote should be what counts. And now he's got to go after these super delegates, but it's, it's rough. I don't know who I'm voting for. but I'll tell you this. Bernie looks like a very honest man to me and he's in a system here where the American voting system is very, very complicated, very confusing, and sometimes extremely unfair, but it's It's almost like a paradox where we're not sure how to organize it so it works out properly. Um, A lot of people say we can't have a direct democracy here in America because there's way too many people to keep track of. I don't know how I feel about that, and I'm not super educated on it. But if if you are, I'd like you to explain to me, because I really want to know this. Why couldn't direct democracy work here, where the popular vote is all that matters, when— that way, everybody's vote is represented by themselves. You don't need delegates to represent different areas because then the numbers get all confusing and a person who doesn't win the popular vote can win the election. But you didn't get the most votes. So that's crazy to me. But so, you know, back back in the days of Greece, Greece uh, ancient Greece, Athens, used to do direct democracy, complete democracy. It means that the people vote on just about everything, on... Matters of politics, matters of government, laws. It, Greece got too big, so they, they, could, they couldn't have the citizens vote on everything because it was impossible to keep track. But this is also many, many years ago, and now we have the internet, we have TV, we have ways to, to keep track of numbers um, in an orderly fashion, and it travels like this. Things get across the world in the snap of a finger. So I don't know why we can't do that today. It would need to be totally destroyed and revamped. And I understand that that's something hard to do. But it's interesting um, because we've seen Bernie win the popular vote in a lot of states by huge landslides. But Hillary still gets the delegates. So really interesting. And she still has the um, superdelegates on her side. So this is all going to get really crazy. New Jersey primaries are June 7th. Uh, unfortunately if you didn't register to vote, it's too late (laughs) Um, but it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. It's pretty cool stuff. Um It's gonna be crazy no matter what to see. I I mean it looks it looks good for donald trump Looks very good for donald trump. New york helped him out. We expected that we expected hillary to win in new york um But this is all crazy. It's crazy uh you don't have to let me know what you're voting for, but let me know what you think of the democratic process and the way it is and the superdelegates and how they weigh so heavily and how delegates represent the people more than the popular vote actually does. Do you agree with that? Do you think it's a system that is flawed and needs to be fixed? Um, do you think that it should be open primaries? I believe it should. I think... Because I'm an independent. Uh, I you know I really like to look at both sides and see... Who's got the best ideas? Who's the most honest? Um, those are important things to me. Uh, who's there to protect our freedoms? You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. But when you look at it, it's like we have this weird system set up where certain states have closed primaries, where you have to be registered as a Democrat to vote um, during the primaries, where you have to be registered as a Republican to vote during the primaries. Uh we have caucuses where people sit in and you count how many people sat down and that's how you figure out who's doing well in the polls. It's crazy. What if I'm at work and I can't get to the caucus? That's, I don't know. It's weird. We have the internet where we can keep track of numbers in a, in a, in a really orderly fashion and we still do everything horse and buggy. I don't get it. New Jersey primaries. Our June 7th, we're gonna go back to that quiz that I was asking about. Let me know about all these things. I wanna know what you think about Harriet Tubman going on the $20 bill in place of Andrew Jackson. That's a controversial topic. Harriet Tubman, pretty important to New Jersey. Um, Let me know what you think about the Madowan shark attack and uh, all that, yeah. Let me know what you think about our democratic process here in New Jersey. And here's the results. Here's the answer to that quiz that I had for you before. Five facts. One of them is actually not a fact. Plot twist. One of them is made up. I made it up. The other four are true. Let's see if you were able to pick out which one was false. A. The Pacific River was the site to the first submarine ride by inventor John P. Holland. That was true. Pretty cool. Uh, B. The first baseball game ever was played in Hoboken. That was true. Isn't that pretty cool? I thought that was sweet. See, Joseph Bonaparte, brother of Napoleon Bonaparte, once claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil in real life on his estate in New Jersey, is true! Awesome! I love that story. I'm a huge Jersey Devil fan, and I love New Jersey folklore, and you guys know that. I've made that very clear. Um, But there's an awesome story about Joseph Bonaparte, who is Napoleon Bonaparte's brother. That's crazy. He had an estate in New Jersey, and he was hunting on it once, and... (laughs) He saw the Jersey Devil fly by, and he shot at it, and I think he missed, or something like that, but uh, he claimed till the day he died that he he saw the Jersey Devil in the flesh. D, so the first three were true. D, President George Washington had a summer home on the shores of current day Long Branch was false. False. D was the false one. If you got it right, let me know. That one was, uh, I I made that up off the top of my head. Uh, I feel like that one was the most noticeably false. I feel like some people may have thought C was, like, really weird. Um, E could have been really weird. Coca plant is still used to make Coca-Cola, and a company in New Jersey extracts the cocaine. Um, So that is the plant that makes cocaine is still used for coke, but they take the cocaine part out of it. So that high that you're getting from your coke is caffeine, my friends. Caffeine. So www.deepanddirtyjersey.com at DeepDirtyJersey on Twitter, at DeepInDirtyJersey on Instagram. Uh, we're on Stitcher now, we're on iTunes. You can check out our podcast if you want to watch us and see our beautiful faces when I have guests on. Uh, you can do it at youtube.com slash TV. You could also check out my other videos. I do cheesy uh, sketch comedy and prank phone calls and all that type of stuff on NeeksTV with my buddies. Um, and we have a damn good time doing it, I'll tell you that much. Wow. You listen to me ramble for 45 minutes. I'm beyond impressed. I'm proud of you. Unless you skipped to this part. And I don't blame you if you did. Listening to me for this long is probably very difficult. (laughs) This was fun. We'll do some more solo podcasts, but I'd like to have more guests on. Um, We will have Jimmy on soon. We'll have Mike Peterson on soon. I'd like to get my friend Mike Powell on soon. Um, Damian Rucci eventually is going to be on the podcast. And he's starting a poetry uprising here in the Bay Shore. Uh, I got a lot of really cool people that I want you guys to meet and to connect with. Um, we're trying to change some things. A lot of artsy people from New Jersey, and it's beautiful to get some New Jersey talent on the show, and I, I want to be able to showcase them and get their opinion on things and talk New Jersey history and all different things about our favorite place. We just went deep in Dirty Jersey. I'm your host, Neeks. See you next time.